This is Just a Few Questions. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is Brian Kaplan, Ph.D. Brian Kaplan is professor of economics at George Mason University and also the author of five books, including The Case Against Education. How are you, Professor Kaplan? Fantastic. I'm so tickled that you're here, so we'll get right into it. So, Professor Kaplan, what is your case against education? What I say is that if you look at what students actually study in school, most of it will never matter in real life. And so the reason why education pays, why the reason why education helps you get a better job, make more money, can't really mostly be that you're learning your skills. It's got to be something else. And it's what the other thing is, I say that it's mostly getting a stamp on your forehead. You get certified by school. School says, hey, this person is a smart, hardworking conformist. You ought to hire him. What difference does it make? If you're thinking selfishly, it really doesn't make any difference. Who cares why school helps your career, makes you more money as long as it does? But from the point of view of education policy, it makes a huge difference. If it's really true, as people like to believe, that education is basically a skill factory, unskilled kids go in, skilled adults come out, then it's a way to make society rich. On the other hand, if my story is close to the truth, where most of what's going on is you're just getting stamps in your forehead, then it's not a way to make society rich. If the more stamps that people have, the more you need to get a good job. We call that credential inflation, where the more degrees people have, the more you need in order to get the same job that your parents or grandparents got with less a generation or two ago. So really what I'm saying is that contrary to popular belief, education is not a very good way for a society to get rich. It's not a way to prepare for the modern world or to ensure that we have a modern high-tech society. Instead, it's basically a way of making people delay the start of adulthood until they're approaching middle age, which is where we've gotten to now. Yeah, uh, uh, I see what you say. Uh, When I first heard you, Professor Kaplan, you was on this great, now defunct podcast radio show, Innovation Hub, which is phenomenal. And you did use the word conformist earlier, so I'm going to go with this. Mm -hmm. What did you mean on on Innovation Hub? You used the term conformist sheep. What did you mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, here's the thing. If you think about the kind of person that does well in school, sure, it's going to be a smart person. It's going to be a hardworking person. But we all know people who are smart and hardworking who still hate school because they just don't like following a bunch of stupid rules and orders. And I say that what you're picking up there is a different personality trait, which is conformism. Schools reward someone who sits down, shuts up, and does what they're told. And here's the thing. While these traits have some drawbacks, overall in the real world, people desire them. Because there's no I in team, and most people are not going to be in charge on the job. Normally on the job, you look for looking for someone that will follow orders and doesn't spend a lot of time questioning whether it's actually a good idea. And with good reason, most people's objections to the plan aren't really very good. They don't have a better idea anyway. And what this means is that one of the reasons why employers like people who have high levels of educational attainment is it's a sign that you're someone that's willing to shut up and do what you're told. So while there's a whole mythology about employers want people really creative and innovative and think outside the box, that's really only for a small number of jobs. And furthermore, even in those jobs, there's the kind of thinking outside the box that your boss wants you to do, and there's the kind he doesn't want you to do. There's no place no one is going to hire you and say, hey, I want you to think about whether you should be the boss and I should be the employee. That's not what you get paid to do. Yeah. Uh, 
I got 50,000 questions. I'm trying to will it to one or two and be off the air. So, so Professor Kaplan, who should, should a C student, definitely a D student, mm-hmm. should a C student go to a four-year college or university? High school almost student. Almost certainly, yeah, student, yes. Yeah. So almost certainly not. So again, while I'm talking a lot about the this credentialing or signaling effect, there is something else that I found, which is just that education is a good deal for people who succeeded it, but it's not a good deal for people who fail. And we can actually predict success and failure quite well using your high school record. Right? There are some people turn their whole lives around and they're drinking and partying all through high school and they go to college and they get serious, but they are greatly outnumbered by the people who are drinking and partying in high school and continue to drink and party in college and then aren't too likely to finish. Uh, furthermore, even more basically, just look at people who had very poor math scores in high school. Those people almost never wind up finishing college. It's just too hard for them. Even You might say, well, can't they just avoid the math? Now there's a bare minimum math that you got to do. And if you just were well below average in high school, then you're almost certainly not going to cut it. So it's not a good deal for you. So much of the propaganda in favor of education is based on the graduates. That's optimistic. Most, most students have at least, are le- at least are not going to finish on time. Only about 35% of full-time college students finish a four-year degree in four years. And then students that are weak when they come in have much lower rates of successfully finishing. Right? So that means, yeah, if you're a C student, given how much grade inflation we've already got, C students probably actually way below average. And so unless you've totally turned your life around in between, just expect to waste your money. You're going to go there, pay your tuition, fail out. Don't do it. Uh, Professor Kaplan, see, I see, I see uh, education as a government, largely, largely a government jobs program, period. Mm-hmm. But you would like to see education funding, funding just cut to just mm-hmm. cut. Explain that. So you see it as a jobs program for the staff? Or for no, the yeah, that's what I'm saying. Staff, uh, contracts. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in Chicago, so I just see the, the yeah. public school that is just it's just okay. for jobs and contracts, and education is way down on the list. Yeah, that's a good point. Right, so if you think about a lot of the education budget is basically just to funnel money to teachers and administrators and so on, well, that is true. It does, it does do it for them. I mean, I, I would say that it is a bad economic idea just to pay people to do to pretend to have a pretend to have a job. And by the way, so wait, you're a college professor. Does it apply to you? Yeah, of course. It's not a real job that I have. What professors get paid to do? It's ridiculous. And that it be done at taxpayer expense. It's pretty crazy that this even exists. Um, but if I didn't have this job, no one would believe me. I consider myself a whistleblower. Um, but yeah. Uh, but you know, so like you could say that it's providing these unproductive jobs for people that are working for school districts. And there, as an economist, I'll just say, well, why pay people to do an unproductive job when you can pay them to do a productive job? In terms of the students, they say the main effect is that if you actually manage to graduate students, it just keeps raising the amount of official credentialed education that you need to have in order to be taken seriously by employers. So I mean, really, you're on a treadmill. The faster you run, you know, the, the further you don't get as a society, although, of course, any one individual who excels in school does great. Your last question, Professor Kaplan. You, mm-hmm. are, you are a libertarian, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. here, here's the last question. How can, as a libertarian, how can you propose cutting the education budgets, if you're an education budget, and still have school reform or education reform 
where even the average student can come out of high school with some skills, reading, writing, you know, arithmetic, and mm-hmm. hopefully getting ready for a trade school. Hmm. Well, I mean, here, here's what I would say. We need to judge the system by how it actually works. We can't say, well, the point of school is to go and get everybody ready to go to trade school or something else, and so we can't cut their money because that's their point. We need to see whether they actually deliver. What I say is the schools really barely deliver. It would just be much better to get people out into the real world at a younger age. And that is, I think, exactly what happened. If school just ended earlier, then people would start working at a younger age. There'd be a lot more apprenticeships programs and things like that. And again, like the best way of thinking about my book in a slogan is this. People usually think about school as being job training, and I say no. It's mostly a passport to the real training, which happens on the job. I say better just give people their passports so they can get to their final destination sooner. Well, I'm looking at the book right now with my own little eyes, The Case Against Education. Professor Brian Kaplan, thank you for being my guest on Just a Few Questions. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks a lot, buddy.